0: kitchens soup is used as a way to mitigate waste vegetables that are close to spoiling are used to make soup leftover roast beef from yesterday's prime rib is used to make soup extra leeks came in make soup it's tomato season and you've got a pile of fresh tomatoes you guessed it make soup the point is that knowing the absolute basics of how to make soup allow you to cut waste in your own kitchen while still creating something delicious and nutritious that your family will want to eat. Soup can be almost anything. Whatever you have lying around that needs to get used up can be thrown into a soup. You don't need a recipe, you just need ingredients and a basic understanding of the fundamentals. So what is soup? That seems like a stupid question, but is it? I mean think about it. How would you define soup? It can be so many different things. According to Wikipedia, soup is primarily a liquid food usually served hot and made by combining ingredients such as meat and vegetables with stock, broth, or water. Make sense? So if you put a pot of water on the stove, add a ham bone and some onions, too. Is that soup? Yes. In a very simple form, that is soup. I think that is why the lesson is more important than ever. We are all isolated, trying to limit our exposure to the outside world by going to the grocery store less and less, and money is really tight for a lot of us. Knowing how to take what seems like nothing and make it into something will be crucial for a lot of people trying to get through this crisis. Oh, excuse me. Okay, enough jibber-jabber. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food in 5. Happy New Year. Let's get to it. This is Understanding Soups, a continuation of my free basic cooking course. stock versus broth what is the difference between broth and a stock and why oh why do you care the only real difference is that stock and this is this is this is very important that stock is made from bones and a broth is made from meat and and bones maybe other than that they're made pretty much the exact same process either the bones or the meat and the bones will be simmered not boiled for a length of time in order to extract the maximum amount of flavor. Other ingredients such as carrot, onion, celery, and herbs are usually added for additional flavor. A broth is generally richer and more flavorful than stock and can be eaten on its own. A stock, on the other hand, is usually an, an ingredient. This distinction is important because a soup made with a stock is the base will need a lot more flavorings added in order to intensify the flavor. A broth Should already have a fully developed flavor profile on its own. Vegetables, uh, vegetable stock, and broth differ only really in the name. Now, I just want to clarify you've probably heard of bone broth, uh, especially if you have a lot of hippie friends. Now, to clarify, there is no such thing as bone broth. It's either broth, in which case it's made with meat, or it is stock, in which case it is made with bones the term bone broth doesn't make any sense what people who are drinking bone broth are drinking is stock so don't let that confuse you stock is made with bones broth is made with meat clear good broth based soups a perfect example of a broth based soup is chicken noodle soup generally a very flavorful broth is made by simmering a whole chicken in water with a bit of celery onion carrot and maybe some herbs like thyme parsley, and bay leaf. After an hour or two of simmering, the liquid is strained off, added to a different pot, at which point the soup ingredients are added, and the soup is made. The chicken that was used to make the broth can be used in the soup, although depending on how long it was simmered, it may be very, very soft. The vegetables and herbs that have been used to make the broth should be discarded. I know that some of you seems that to some of you that seems like a tremendous waste. However, the majority of the nutrients and flavor of these ingredients, the chicken included, is now in the liquid. So yes, you're throwing away a chunk of carrot, but it is more like a carrot carcass than an actual piece of carrot that you would want to eat. All the nutrients and flavor are in the water, the stock, not in the carrot anymore. Other broth-based soups include French onion, split pea, vegetable, well, this goes on and on. Now, if you go to chefsnotes.com slash understanding-soup, again, that's chefsnotes.com slash understanding-soup, you'll find a recipe for French onion soup, as well as white bean and chorizo soup, which are both broth-based soups. Pureed soups. Pureed soups are generally made of one main vegetable with a few accenting ingredients and stock, water, milk, or cream. Sometimes if the soup has a base of stock or water, a little bit of cream will be added right before serving to add richness to the soup. Pureed soups can be made from everything from squash to mushrooms to broccoli. And the easiest way to explain that, uh, explain how to make a pureed soup is to simmer a vegetable in water until it is very tender. Put it in a blender and pulse it until smooth. In a nutshell, that's pretty much all you need to know. But, of course, there is more to it. Let's use butternut squash soup as an example. Uh, And just before we jump in, I want to clarify here. You can also, you know, kind of boil shrimp or lobster skeletons or or, uh, shells, puree those, and then you've got yourself a nice bisque. There you go. Butternut squash soup. Butternut squash soup is usually made fairly simply. The squash is peeled, the seeds are removed, and it is cut into cubes. Some onions and perhaps garlic will be cooked a little, and the squash will be added. This will be covered with water, just enough to cover it by one inch, maybe some maple syrup. Boiled until the squash is soft and then pureed. Finally, it will be seasoned with salt and pepper. And that's about it. The soup I just described is the most basic version of a butternut squash soup. It's not bad. In fact, most people would probably be happy with it. With just a little more effort, that soup can be made extraordinary. And this is true of all pureed soups. Roasting. Try roasting the squash on 425 degrees Fahrenheit for 35 to 45 minutes prior to adding it to the soup. This will draw the natural sweetness out of the squash and intensify its flavor. Prepare the squash by peeling, cutting it in half, discarding the seeds, and cutting it into cubes. Toss it with a few tablespoons of olive oil and a bit of salt and pepper. Spread the squash on a sheet pan lined with parchment paper and roast. You want to develop a little color on the squash, a little caramelization. Once the squash is thoroughly roasted, it's soft and has a little color, add it to the soup pot as you normally would. While well, the squash is cooking, take the time to caramelize the onions. This is done by cooking the onions in a little oil on low heat for a long period of time. All you have to do is stir the onions every once in a while and scrape the bottom of the pot from time to time. Caramelizing onions, just like roasting the squash, draws out their natural sweetness and deepens their flavor. It makes the flavor of the finished soup richer and deeper. Liquid use stock, chicken or vegetable instead of water when making soups. The reason being that soup is usually made with only a few ingredients. Those ingredients have to provide as much flavor as possible. Otherwise, you have to add other ingredients to compensate for the lack of flavor. You can buy the stock or make it yourself. It's not hard. Pureeing the soup. Often at home, people will puree their soup in a blender and call it a day. A blender alone will never be able to give you that smooth, creamy texture that you get from soup in restaurants. That comes from passing the soup through a fine mesh sieve once it has been pureed. Passing the soup through a fine mesh sieve, again, this is just for pureed soups, is just what it sounds like. Pour the soup into the sieve after it's been pureed, uh, and using a spatula or the bowl of a ladle, push it through the tiny holes. You're trying to get as much of the solids through the sieve as possible. What comes out the other side is the smoothest, creamiest soup you can imagine. It's like velvet. It's gorgeous. A note on safety. As a safety note, when pureeing hot soup in a blender, make sure to burp the lid or remove the centerpiece from the lid. If this is not done, pressure can build up very quickly in the blender. This pressure buildup can cause the lid to shoot off the blender and hot soup to get sprayed all over you and your kitchen. I have seen this happen. It has happened to me. I've cleaned more than my fair share of ceilings from soup. Be careful. And again, just pop the center out of the the lid of your blender if you can. Put a towel over it uh, or uh, just lift the corner of the lid up a little bit and put a towel over it so the soup doesn't spray everywhere. Otherwise, you are going to get that pressure boiled up, and it's not going to be good. Notes. The principles I just described for making butternut squash soup can also be applied to pretty much any other pureed vegetable soup. Roasting the main ingredient, caramelizing the onions, using stock instead of water, passing the final soup through a fine mesh sieve, done and done, and obviously you can add some fresh herbs in there, you can add some spices, whatever you want, but just kind of add these little touches and make a good soup into a great one. Now, again, if you go to chefsnotes.com forward slash understanding dash soup, you'll find a recipe for roasted butternut squash soup and a really, really delicious apple and parsnip soup. Cream soups. Cream-based soups include chowders and, quote, cream of unquote soups, like cream of broccoli or cream of mushroom. The basic principles I've described for both broth-based soups and pureed soups also apply to cream-based soups, so I'm not going to get into that aspect of things too much. There is, however, one thing that is unique to cream-based soups, and that is thickeners. Cream soups are rarely made with cream as the exclusive liquid. This would be expensive and far too rich. Instead, a broth is often used as the base. This broth is thickened with a roux, which is equal parts flour and butter, and that makes a velouté, and a little cream is added at the end. Alternatively, thickened milk, or bechamel, can be used as the base, though this is less common. Soup thickeners. Now, there are three common thickeners used to make soup. They are a roux, which I mentioned, equal parts flour and butter cooked together, cornstarch, mixed with a little bit of water, or mashed potato, though this is less common. You, and really, it doesn't have to be mashed potato. It could be any kind of mashed or mashed starch like rice, potato, uh, even pasta if you wanted to, breadcrumbs. The most common way to thicken a soup today is definitely with a roux, and cornstarch would be a close second. Now, if you were to use a thickener to make a cream based soup, the process would go like this. Onions and other flavoring ingredients would be sautéed in butter and/or oil. Once those ingredients were cooked, the flour would be sprinkled over and cooked for three to four minutes. At which point, the broth would be added along with the main ingredients, broccoli in this case, in the case of cream of broccoli. This would all be simmered until the ingredients were soft and cooked through. At which point, the soup would either be pureed, cream of broccoli, or finished with cream scallop scallop and bacon chowder. If the puree is puree, if this excuse me, if the soup is pureed, a little cream will be added once uh, it's been finished. The small portion of cream will add color and richness to the soup, while the cream texture actually comes from the roux. Now, again, if you go to chefsnotes.com forward slash understanding soups, there's a recipe for bacon and corn chowder and scallop and bacon chowder, which are both cream-based soups. Techniques building flavor. Building flavor into your soup is really a matter of how you handle your ingredients. For example, if you want a deeper, more nuanced flavor in your soup, you can roast the vegetables before adding them into the pot. If you would like a heavier onion flavor, which would be desir- desirable with some beef soups, add a higher portion of onions. Some of the onions may be roasted and some may be raw. On top of this, herbs and other complementary flavorings can be added during either both broth production or during the actual production of the soup itself. Getting the most flavor out of your ingredients is really a matter of time. If you don't cook your ingredients long enough, you're throwing away flavor. If you cook them too long, you're destroying their flavor. You wanna cook your ingredients only until they have released the maximum amount of flavor any longer and you are actually cooking flavor out. Flavor is just volatile oils and chemicals interacting with receptors on your tongue. These oils and chemicals can be destroyed if cooked for too long or on too high a heat. Ingredients. Choosing the right ingredients for your soup is very important. If you're hoping for a crystal clear broth, you want to avoid adding carrots as they can cause cloudiness. But beyond that, meat with a high percentage of fat generally are best kept out of the soup pot unless you want a fatty soup. Use waxy potatoes rather than mealy ones as they will hold their structure better when cooked. Avoid ingredients that have very strong flavors that could overpower the flavor of the broth and other ingredients unless, of course, you want that to be for uh, the forward flavor. Flavors like ginger and garlic should be subtle if used. Use fresh ingredients whenever possible. Uh, some people think of a soup pot as a garbage pot, which is it absolutely is not. Making a soup is a great way to use leftovers and to use up excess produce you have around, but don't use half rotten vegetables as this will cause your soup to taste half rotten. When to add ingredients. When to add your ingredients is just as, if not more important than what ingredients to add. Generally, any ingredient that will uh, continue to absorb liquid after the cooking process should be cooked separately and added just before the soup is served. Ingredients like rice would fall into this category and pasta. Rice can be delicious in soup, but not if it it has absorbed all the broth and is now just a mushy mess. Just like with adding flavor to the broth, you want to only cook the ingredients until they're done. So ingredients that take longer to cook, like onion and celery, will be added near the beginning of the cooking process, as opposed to peas or potatoes, which will have a much shorter cooking time. Fresh green herbs like parsley or cilantro should be added at the very end of cooking, while hardier herbs like thyme and rosemary can be added about halfway through. Dried herbs should always be added near the start of cooking. Understanding soup, a few last notes. There are a few last points that I want to make. First of all, the quality of your pot, of the pot you use matters. If you use a thin aluminum pot, you risk burning heavier ingredients to the bottom. This happens because the heat from the burner is not evenly distributed, causing hot spots on the surface of the pot. A heavy bottom pot will uh, will allow the heat to evenly distribute more. and will be much less likely to burn. Of course, no matter what type of pot you're using, you want to make sure to stir the soup every once in a while to prevent sticking, which will lead to burning. This is especially important when making a cream-based soup. The only thing worse than an under-seasoned soup is an over-seasoned soup. Seasoning with salt and pepper throughout the cooking process and taste as you go. Uh, This will help prevent over or under seasoning. Generally, the soup should be seasoned at least three times. Once in the very beginning, once in the middle of cooking, and once just prior to it being served. This will allow the seasoning to evenly distribute throughout the soup and will give it a more uniform flavor. This will also allow the ingredients that are being cooked in the soup to absorb some of that seasoning and find an equilibrium. Keep in mind that ingredients like potatoes will absorb a lot of salt. Because of this, you may think you've added enough seasoning, taste your soup, and a few minutes later, it's, it now tastes slightly bland. Also, things like bacon, corn, beef um, will add to the salt content of the soup, so be careful when using ingredients like these not to over-season. The simpler your soup is, the higher quality your ingredients need to be. If you're making a soup that has 15 ingredients, it's easy to use up some of the vegetables in your fridge that may, be, may not be the freshest. However, when making a soup that has two or three ingredients, those ingredients must be the best they can. The reason for this should be obvious. Those few ingredients are all you're going to taste. If they taste even slightly off, your entire soup will taste off. There are a few things better when you're feeling down than a bowl of homemade soup. Be it pureed, cream-based, or broth-based, soup has a unique ability to lighten the spirit and lift your health. It can be quite simple, like chicken noodle, or relatively complex, like uh, scalloped and bacon chowder, or roasted butternut squash. No matter how simple or complex the soup may be, the information is universal. This information will help guide you and improve the overall quality of your soup. Now, as you you heard, these are fairly simple things that you can do. Hopefully there is nothing here that is going to worry you or seem intimidating. I can guarantee that if you make these subtle yet important changes to your soup making process, your soup will be better than it is now. Making soup is generally a pretty simple process. These guidelines are meant to maintain that simplicity while yielding the best quality soup possible. Follow them and you'll make better soups. The improvements may be subtle, but you will definitely notice them. And so will the people that you choose to share your soup with. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food and 5. And this has been Understanding Soups, part of my free basic cooking course, uh, which has been going on for a couple of weeks now here on Food and 5. I'll be back on Wednesday with another fantastic episode. I will see you then. Have a great week, everybody. And once again, Happy New Year. I'll talk to you soon. And thank you for listening. Oh, and you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Chef Ben Kelly. And one more time, you can go to chefsnotes.com forward slash understanding dash soup, and you'll find all the recipes and this entire post written out. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon.